Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Simplifying the Sod. This class is a little bit controversial. Uh, for years I was very reluctant to post this class uh, or, uh, or the details of it because I didn't want anyone to get into big arguments. I first discovered there was an alternate version of the Akedah about 30 plus years ago. I was reading the Ibn Ezra where he comments on the verse Abraham, Abraham returned alone and he questions, where's Isaac? And then he says, and the one that says that he slaughtered him and left him and he came back to life, he's somewhat critical of that opinion, but I went to my rabbi, Rabbi Abitan at the time, and I said, what the heck is going on? Is there really such an opinion? And that's when my journey began. The purpose of this class, I want to remind you, is in particular, is to show us that when we open our eyes, we open our minds, we might see something different and something we never imagined. We'll come up with new questions which bring more answers and train us to leave the Dalit Amot, the comfort zone of our four cubits. And I beg those who listen to the class, please don't get into an argument with your kids or your rabbi or anyone else and say, this is it. There's a Torah that's Nistar and there's the Torah Shenigla. There's a revealed Torah, a hidden Torah, and this, to a certain level, is part of the, of the Torah Shinistad. And I welcome you to join us on this journey today and look forward to your comments. In this week's parashah, it says, Vatamot Sarah bekriyat arba. Sarah dies in Kiryat Arba, hi Hebron. And so we, and, and Abraham comes to eulogize her. And it says that Abraham came to eulogize her and comes to bury her and he negotiates for a burial site for her. And the question is asked, where's her son? Where's Isaac? Where's Isaac? So some people will say, obviously he was there. What do you mean? It's his mother's funeral. Of course he was there. The problem is the verses don't tell us he was there. Not only the verses don't tell us, but a bunch of rabbis make excuses for why he wasn't there. Now, if you're going to tell me that, no, he was there, it's very hard to say he was there because when Abraham dies, it says, Abraham. Abraham died. And what happens? It's very specific that his children his children came to bury him. So how could, how could Isaac not be at his mother's funeral? Some people say, it says that, that uh, he was dead. they brought him to school. He went after the Akedah. He went one way. He went to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever to learn Torah. And his father went the other way. But the problem even there is, okay, so he went to there. And, then, and his mother died. Wherever you are, when your mother died, is gotta go. You gotta go to the funeral. You can't pay respects to your own mother. How do we? How do we understand that? After, hi Tina. After the burial, we have the Abraham. We say that the pasuk tells us the Abraham barech, the Hashem barech at Abraham bakol. The Abraham zaken babiyamim. Abraham is old. He just buried his wife, and the verse tells us the Hashem berach et Abraham bakol. Now that his wife is dead, he's done the Akedah, the verse tells us that God blessed, he blessed Abraham with everything. Bakol, with everything. Seems like good, everything. So the rabbi asks a question, what do you mean Bakol? Rashi says, Barech Abraham Bakol, he blessed Abraham with everything. What is Bakol? He says the gematria of Bakol is Ben. 52, 52. He says, now Abraham is old, he's blessed with his son. What do you mean now he's blessed with his son? Now is 40 years after his son was born. Why do we hear this now? And the problem we have is where does Rashi get this from? 
Anytime Rashi is quoting, Rashi is always quoting the Gemara, Midrash, and the Gemara talks about this Hashem Barechat Avraham Bakol, two places in the Gemara, Baba Batra, and in, in two places, in 16 and page 141. Our rabbis expressed a remarkable idea. They say, Hashem blessed Avraham Bakol. What is Bakol? Says, he, had not, he didn't have a daughter, he has a daughter. Since he has a daughter, he has everything because he had his sons and a daughter. Others say that her name was Bakol, Bakal. Right? What was her name, Bakal? Uh, <laughs> the actress. actress. Lauren Bakal. Okay. So that was his daughter, Bakal. Bakal is his daughter. So it says, so where does Rashi come up with another idea that now he has a son? Now he has a son. What about yesterday? What about the day before? And where is Rashi? He's a Rishon living in the Middle Ages, when the Tanaim, at the time of the Gemara, living 1,200, 1,300 years before him, and they're saying something different. Rashi always quotes a Tana. He doesn't come up with his own. We don't really know the source of where he comes up with Ben. So we have the second problem. Now he has a son. What do you mean now he has a son? He had a son. No, nothing. Nothing on the son. Oh, there is, which is what we're going to tell you, which is what we're going to explain Rashi. He says to the, so, so now what happens is we read in this parasha that Abraham, that, that Abraham sends his servant, Eliezer, to go find a wife for his son. He finds Rebecca, we go through the story with the camels, with the water, and now she's coming back. She's riding the camel, she's with Eliezer. When she comes back, she sees a person. And Vatomer el ha'evet, she turns to the evet, and she says, Miha ish halazeh, who is this person? Ha'holech basadeh lekratenu, who's coming to meet us. Vayomer ha'evet, the evet, the servant says, he is my master. Now the question is, what do you mean she's asking who's this guy? And the problem is the language. She says, Miha ish, in Hebrew it's going to be Miha ish hazeh, who is this person, if you're being a specific person? Instead, she uses a strange word, ha-lazeh. What does ha-lazeh mean? Who is this person, ha-lazeh? It's a very strange language. Also, the Mifashim say, what do you mean, what, who she's asking about? She's asking about some strange guy. So there's something about him that's very unusual, that she's asking about him. But the term ha-lazeh is very hard to understand. So, this is the next question. Keep going. We have a problem with, with, with age. Abraham is 100 years old when Abraham has Isaac. They're 100 years apart. At the Akedah, he's 37 years old, Isaac. We know that because Sarah was 127. Isaac is 37. Abraham's 137. When Isaac has children, he's 60 years old. That means Abraham would be 160 years old. When what happens... His children turn 13, according to Rashi says, Rashi says, so long as they were young, they could not be distinguished by what they did, and no one paid much attention to their character. So Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. We know Jacob goes one direction, Esau goes the other direction. Until they were 13, they both were good kids learning together. No one knew them, no one, their behavior wasn't different. But when they reached the age of 13, one went one way, one went the other way. Rashi goes further, and he says, at the age of 13, what did he do? He commits the three cardinal crimes, Esav, 
he kills someone, he rapes someone, he terrible terrible things he does. And what happens then? Rashi says that Abraham died. So now, if the boys are thirteen, their father's seventy three, which makes Abraham one hundred and seventy three. The problem is Abraham dies at 175. So there's a problem with the numbers. So how do they solve it? Some rabbis say, no, no, Rashi made a mistake. They were bad, but he was really 15. But what do you mean? Rashi made a mistake. You tell me Rashi made a mistake. And they're 13. Many of the Mephashim say they were 13 because at 13 a person goes his way. So how do we come up with those two missing years? If Abraham died the day they went off the wrong path because God promised Abraham... You won't see your descendants go on the bad path. So the day he went on the bad path, God took Abraham early. He should have lived till 180. Instead, he dies at 175. The problem is, if you count the years, it's 173. Next question. Now, we ha- when, when they come for the blessings, when Jacob and Esau will come for the blessings next week, Vayigash, so, so remember that Jacob dresses up like his brother. He puts on the, uh, the skin of the, of the goats onto his arms so that he's hairy. Now, have you ever smelled freshly, fresh hides of goat? They smell pretty bad, right? Now, what, what's, what happens? He goes into his father, and as he walks into his father, and his father's feeling him, he says something. He says... Vayigash, he came to him. Vayishaklo, and he kissed him. Vayirach, and he smelled edreach begadav, the smell of his clothing. And then he blesses him. And he said, Vayomer, re'e, see, re'ach beni, the smell of my, of my son is like the smell of the sader, asher barho Hashem, that God blessed. What does Rashi says? He said he smelled on him the Garden of Eden. And the question is, what do you mean you smelled the Garden of Eden? How do you know what the Garden of Eden smells like? And he's very specific. He says, is it figurative speech? And the rabbis say, no. The avot, the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, every word they say, they're very, very specific. He has to mean what he says. So if he tells his son, you smell like the Garden of Eden... There must be some frame of reference that Isaac has to a Garden of Eden. Now, next. <clears throat> we go through last week. We have the Akedah. The Akedah, basically, God tells, tells Abraham, bring your son as an offering. He takes him, and he brings him, and he binds him, and he now lifts up the knife to kill him. So imagine the scene. They bring the wood, lay the wood as an, build the altar, lay the wood, tie him up, put him on top, takes the knife, lifts his head, ready to cut. All of a sudden we hear, An angel of God calls out from heaven. And he says, And he says, Here I am, Abraham. Now the second time we have, few verses later. So basically, the way we heard the story, the angel calls, tells him, stop. Now I know. Then we have the angel comes again and says to him, I'm swearing in the name of God. So the rabbis ask a question. The angel, is the angel speaking in God's name or not? 
And if the angel speaking in God's name, shouldn't the first time the angel speak, shouldn't he say, I'm speaking in the name of God? If you're going to tell me the angel is obviously speaking in the name of God, then we don't need him to say, I'm speaking in the name of God. But if there's two times the angel is going to speak, the first time and the second time, when should he say, I'm speaking in the name of God? The first time. Instead, Maybe he didn't get enough time because he was about to... He still could have said it right then after he told him stop. He says, God says stop. I don't know. Maybe there's enough time to say God says. I don't don't, don't know. So he says, Abraham, Abraham. So he says, there seems to be a lack of consistency. When is the first? When is the second? Just He says, who told Abraham to offer his son? Who told God to offer his son? Who told Abraham to offer his son? Hashem. Hashem. Okay. Now, who told him to stop? An angel. So, if God told him to do it, how could the angel tell him to stop? Shouldn't God tell him to stop? What's the angel doing there? Who is this angel? An imposter. The Gemara also says, Divreha Rav, the Divreha Talmid. If you have, the rabbi tells you to do something, or his students tell you to do something, who do you listen to? The rabbi. Right? The teacher or the students. Who do you listen to? The teacher. So if God said to do something, then what is he listening to the angels for? And then we go back to the first question is, if the first angel was speaking for God, why didn't he say so? Only the second angel says he's speaking for God. Next. We have the juxtaposition. We ended up last week with the death, with the Akedah, with the, with the binding of Isaac. And we begin this week's parasha with the death of Sarah. So they say, one, why is one connected to the other? It has, we say that, so it says that she died. Why did she die? Rashi says, Vekimat, says, says that she, how did she die? Vekimat Shelonishchat. She heard, right? She heard that he almost didn't get slaughtered. And then she died. There's a problem there. If we're going to translate it, we're going to tell the story. The Zohar tells the story. She wakes up and she sees, my son is gone. My husband's gone. Where are they? Where did everyone go? No one left me a note. I have no cell phone to call them. What do I do? In order to figure out where they are, she goes down the road and she has the giants who live down the block. And she says, giants, do me a favor. Stand up tall and tell me where's my husband and my son. And they say, Sarah, whatever you want, we do. So the giant gets up and he looks. He says, I see them. They're walking towards Har HaMoriah. They're in Hebron walking towards Har HaMoriah. Okay, what's happening? Well, they have wood, they're going, so she, oh, they're going to offer a sacrifice. They have fire, there's a knife. What animal? No animal. No animal. So now what's happening? Well, Abraham built the altar, he put the fire, he bound Isaac, and he's putting Isaac on top of the altar. Now what happened? He's taking the knife and he's going to kill Isaac. Says, and all of a sudden, what happens? says, why did she die? She thought that he was slaughtered, right? That's what it should say. She thought that he was slaughtered, and she dies of a heart attack. That's what we understood from Rashi. Except Rashi doesn't say that. He says, The reason she died is because she thought that he wasn't slaughtered. What? It's completely opposite of everything we're into, but that's the words. So what do we do? We conveniently translate Rashi the way we want to hear it. But that's not what it says. So how do we understand what's going on in the story? Rashi writes, She heard he almost was not slaughtered. 
So he said, what do we do? We ignore the word Shiloh. We translate it without it. We say she died because she thought he was slaughtered. But Rashi says, no, she died because she thought he wasn't slaughtered. What's going on? So we're going to go through this. The sources of all of this. Basically, this all started about 16, 17 years ago. I was learning something in the Gemara. I brought it up to my rabbi. We started to review. Then I learned something a couple of years later from a rabbi in Great Neck, a rabbi Aderet. Then I learned something from this Rabbi Wagensberg. He was in our house. And he put the whole thing together. And the sources of it are the Zohar, Rabbi Nubachia, Rashi, Yalkut Reuveni, Megalea Mukot, Hagahot, Be'arot on the tour, Shibolet Taleket, the Ben Ishchai. All sources that are our main sources that we, we go by. Even though, what I'm going to tell you, you may have never heard. The bottom line though, is we're going to look at this and we're going to read it based on the verses in the Torah and Rashi. Mainly Rashi. And Rashi is the one that we use to understand because if you don't have Rashi, you can't understand anything. So we begin. The, it begins the story of the Akedah. They come to the place that, that, that Hashem told them to go. Avraham builds there the altar. He set up the wood. He binds Isaac, his son. And he places him on the altar on top of the wood. Now remember the whole, the whole craziness about this is as follows. The one thing that Avraham fought against his entire life was Molech. What's Molech? Molech is a pagan ritual where they had an idol and if you see a symbol of what, what you see the idol of Molech it's huge and in the center of this huge idol is his belly and there's an opening in the belly and what did they do to worship Molech? They would bring their children and burn their children in the middle of the stomach of Molech as an offering to Molech. Avraham's single fight in the world was to stop people from sacrificing their children, saying this is not possible for God to want. The test to Abraham is God tells him to do the thing he's been fighting against his whole life and saying is insane and saying it's something God would never allow. Now God tells him, take your son and bring him as a sacrifice. Well, so we have a clear picture. He takes his son, the, the pasuk tells us, he puts them there and he's ready to kill him. All of a sudden, the angel calls from heaven and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham stops and he says, Hineni, here I am. Vayomer, so the angel says, Al tishlach yadecha el hanar. Don't send your hand to the boy. Ve'al ta'aslo me'uma, and don't give him a wound. Ki ata, now, yadati, I knew, I know. Ki yera Elohim ata, you fear God. Ve'lo chasachta etincha, and you did not withhold your son from me. Who was the angel talking to Abraham at this point? What's the angel's name? What's the angel's name? Michael. So there's one opinion that says it's Malach, Gematria Malach is Michael, 101, 101. Must be Michael. But. So, so he says here, this is Satan. This is Samach Mem. This is Samach Mem. This is Satan. Satan is a Malach of Hashem. 
Satan is, is the angel of God. He's doing what he's doing because he's pushing us to be better. We know the Midrashim tell us that on the way to the Akedah, Satan is trying every which way to stop them from getting to the Akedah. He makes a water and they have to walk through the water and that's why we throw away our sins before Rosh, on Rosh Hashanah. We throw them in the water because we recall that Abraham walked through the water in order to do God's will. He, he dresses himself up as an old man and he tells Yitzchak, your father's nuts. He's taking you to sacrifice you. You think he really heard God? He's nuts. Don't listen to him. He's trying to convince them both not to do it. He says, so what is he doing? Says, says that, that he says also to them, he says, listen, don't do it. Your intention to do it, says the Gemara, your intention equals as if you did it. Since you intended on doing this, we could stop you now and you'll be rewarded as if you did it. Abraham's response to him was what we just mentioned from the Gemara and Kiddushin, Divrei Harav. The words of the teacher or the words of the student, who do you listen to? You listen to the teacher. Yakut Reuveni describes the rest of the scene. This is Midrash. It says he pulls back the head and he takes the knife and he cuts and he kills his son. And the blood goes flying and he grabs, he grabs the, the fire, he puts it on fire, and the angels come fly down, everyone's flipped out. The angels fly down, they grab the remains of Isaac, they take the remains to heaven, and they're going to rebuild him. Like six million dollar man, make him better, stronger, faster. Okay. So it shouldn't be a shock. It says, Abraham et Allah. It says it specifically says it. When they were going there, it says it says it says he says that Rashi says over there, they both went together. Avraham, who was aware that he was going to slay his son. This is what Rashi says. He was aware he was going to slay his son. He walked along with the same willingness and joy as Isaac, who had no idea. Now we have to say that Avraham had prophecy. And if you're going to say his prophecy wasn't clear, then you're going to say all his prophecy wasn't clear. So if he knows that this is what he's supposed to do, he knows it. And Rashi says, there's no question. He knew what he was supposed to do. Rabbeinu Bachya goes further. And he says, he says, So he says, what happens? Because we, we saw that Abraham tells the boys, he's with Ishmael and he's with Eliezer. He tells him, we're going to go worship God and we will return. So everyone says, he says, we will return. If he knows he's going to sacrifice his slaughter, his son, how is he going to say we? So Rabbeinu Bachya says, what does he mean, Vinashuva? He says, shel Abraham. Abraham was thinking, to bring the bones back with him, and therefore he says, Vinashuva Alechem, we will return. I'm going to come back alive, and he's going to come back because I'm going to bring back his bones. We see also that Yitzchak says, when his father, he says to his father, Where's the, where's the, where's the, the seer? He says, I see the fire, I see the wood, where's the seer? What does Abraham tell him? Elohim, your Eloh. God will show you the seer. See Rashi. Rashi says, Klomar, let me explain. Listen, my son, he says. He says, we'll look out and choose a lamb, but if there's no lamb, then Beni, you are the sacrifice. 
And it says, Rashi says there, after he writes this, he says, and Yitzchak said, even willingly that I'm the sacrifice, I'm going. So according to Rashi, they both knew what was going to happen, and they both went and continued to go. Keep going. Even though Isaac understood he would be slaughtered, he had the same intent. They walked together with the same heart. They went together, one heart. Did they find the sheep? No. But in Ayil they found. If no seh, if no sheep, what does Abraham say to him? Then it's you. So now the deed is done according to Yalkut Reuveni. He slaughtered him, he burns him. He burns the, and he sees the Ayil. It says he lifts up his eyes and he sees a ram. A ram is not the sheep. He says, what happened? He's going he's gonna, to, Ayil Acher. Why Ayil Acher? We always said the Ayil is Acher, meaning to replace. But that's not what it means. He says, who's first? He says, Yitzchak. After slaughtering Yitzchak, Abraham is so appreciative that he was able to go through with the test, even though he doesn't understand, that he wants to offer a sacrifice in gratitude. And the sacrifice and gratitude is this ayil. The crazy thing about the ayil is the fact that the ayil is said to have been made during the twilight before creation. Why can't it just be a regular ram? Why does it have to be some special ram that was created? Is there something about this ram being slaughtered in the same spot and burned that will help in, the, in what we're going to say is the resurrection of, of Isaac? Something's about the ram. So he says, Tachat. Tachat means underneath. So he says, how do, the, how, does it, how do the rabbis explain? They say the angels took his body into heaven. So now he's in heaven. Where in heaven is his body? The place that he slaughters him is the place of the Ben HaMikdash, of the temple. That's the holy place on earth. There's an equivalent place above. They take Isaac's body above. So what goes underneath him? The ram. And the ram is underneath him. And that's what's, what's slaughtered underneath him. Then we see Abraham names the place Hashem Yir'eh. God will see. My question is simple. God will see what? God will see the binding. The Rashi says he'll see the binding and forgive year after year. What will God see, says Rashi? He will see the ashes of Isaac. Let me tell you something. If he got up and walked away, there wouldn't be any ashes of Isaac for God to see. So how are you telling me that it's ashes of Isaac in Rashi? And we just ignore it. So these ashes are going to stand as an atonement. That's what God will look at. We know the Gemara and Zevachim tells us, when they came back to Eretz Yisrael, the second, the second round, after they went to Babel, they came back with Ezra and Nehemiah. They tried to figure out the temple was destroyed. Destroyed. The Babylonians destroyed the whole thing. Where do we put the altar? Says Rabbi Isaac Nafcha, Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. It's interesting, his name is Yitzchak Isaac Isaac. What does Nafcha mean? It means a puff of smoke. He says, they saw the ashes of Isaac and they knew where to put the altar. They saw the place where the ashes of Isaac were, and that's how they knew to put the altar there. Again, you can't have ashes of Isaac unless Isaac got burned in the in the in the Further, the angel calls out a second time. Now, 
if we're going to say the story we just said, according to Yakub Reuven, he's dead. Now we have the angel calling a second time. He says, now I'm telling you in the name of God. So the first angel was Satan. The second angel is the angel in the name of God. And what is he saying? This second communication, after Satan is blown away, because Satan couldn't believe this could happen in a million years, he's been trying to stop it, stop it, stop it. All of a sudden he sees, Isaac is dead, I'm done. I lost. I, 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 uh, I should have stopped it, I couldn't stop it. Now, what happens? The angel turns to him and he says, in the name of God, now I'm going to read you the words that it says in the Torah. Ya'an, Asher, what's the next word? Because you, Ya'an, Asher, Asita. Now if I'm going to say, Ya'an, Asher, Rasita, no, I could say, Abraham, you know why you're going to be blessed? Because you wanted to do this, and I stopped you. But the angel says to him, no. He says, Ya'an, Asher, Asita, because you in fact did it. You killed him. He says, because of that, I'm going to bless you. How am I going to bless you? I'm going to bless you with everything. What do you mean you're going to bless me with everything? My son is dead. He's the one I've been waiting for my whole life. Finally, I have a son at 100 years old. I'm going to get home in a couple of hours and I'm going to find out what? My wife is dead too. And now you're telling me you're going to bless me and I'm going to have children and they're going to fill the face of the earth? That's what the angel is telling him. How is he telling him that? How does he understand that? How can he tell him that? That future becomes the one thing that God's going to give him. And at this moment, it appears totally impossible. I have no wife. I have no son. I have nothing. I have nothing. So Abraham returns to his boys, meaning to Yishmael and to, uh, to Eliezer. And Yishmael must be so happy now. Why? Because all Yishmael wanted to do was inherit all the money. Now I'm going to get everything because Isaac's dead. He says, They go to Be'er Sheva, and he says, and, and, and Abraham dwells in Be'er Sheva. Even Ezra says, Abraham returned. And even Ezra says, and the one that says, he's quoting, this is even Ezra, who's the most rational of all. The one who says that he slaughtered him and left him and came back to life later, he refers to that in his commentary on this pasuk. Chizkuni says, Abraham returned to the boys. He says, where did Yitzchak go? According to Midrash Hagadol, he says he went to Gan Eden and he was living in Gan Eden. What do you mean he was living in Gan Eden? He was living in the Garden of Eden in Shamayim. Three years, right? Three years, he says. (laughs) What? That's where he got, but what do you mean he was living in the Garden of Eden? He took a walk and they showed him the yellow brick road and he went from the yellow brick road and he found the Garden of Eden. So where was he? The Gemara, Baba Kamas says that he's in heaven. He's in heaven. He says, what happened? Sarah died and, and he didn't come to Sarah's funeral. But where was he at Sarah's funeral? He was standing up there waiting and he said, Ma, welcome, I'm here. Look, they're taking my body and they're trying to rebuild it. Says Abraham, next we see the Pasuk after the funeral. It says Abraham got old. What do you mean he got old? It says two years passed by. Two years passed by. And what happened in these two years from the Akedah? Seems, what's two years? How did I get two years? He's clinging to his faith. His son is dead. His wife is dead. And it says, Hashem barech et Abraham bakol. Now, after these two years, God blessed Abraham with everything. The Gemara says, he had a daughter. Rashi says, he had a son. And Rashi says, now that he has a son, 
He has to marry off his son. I'm sorry, what's going on here? Now that he has a son, he has to marry off his son. What's Rashi talking about? He has to marry what again? He has to marry him off. He has to find him a wife. Why don't you find him a wife before? Why, what's going on? So according to, he says, what happened? Abraham is sitting there. His son is dead. His wife is dead. The world is over. But God said, don't worry. So he has faith. I trust in you, God. Seemed like a crazy guy, right? All of a sudden, knock on the door. He opens the door. And who's standing there? Isaac. Yitzchak. Two years later. And Abraham says a bracha, Baruch atah Hashem, Mechayeh hametim. Who revives the dead. Who brings back the dead. Now that he has a son, he has to marry him off. Now that he has a son. Because his son came back to him. Before going up, he said, Vinashuva, we will return. Yishmael is thrilled. He's gone. He said, what did he mean we'll return? I'm going to return today. Isaac will eventually return. We know what happened. Where was Isaac for those two years? He was in a place beyond earth. A place beyond our space and a place beyond our time. Now, theoretically, if I go to a place that's in a different solar system, you may age two years on Earth, and I may age only one day in that other solar, that other place, that other galaxy. Yitzchak actually went to this place and didn't age at all. So he left at 37, and he comes back two years later, and how old is he? He's still 37. But his father is now 139. And that's those two missing years that we were looking at before. That's what Albert Einstein like. Uh, exactly. But, he, but the rabbi... The theory of probability. The, the rabbis are telling you this 2,000 years ago. That you could be in a place where time doesn't go like time does here. Now what happens is, he comes back. He wants to marry him off. Yitzchak says, listen dad, I need three years. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to study on Har HaMoriah. On the mountain. And I'm going to meditate. And I'm going to, why does he want three years? He says, listen, I'm not sure if I'm visiting or if I'm here a permanent residency. I don't know if I have my green card, right? I don't know if I'm allowed to stay. He says, after three years, it says he went to the field. We say that he went to pray in the field. And what happened? That's when it happens. Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer says, says that, it says, and also based on Midrash Rabbah, he returned from death. The Megaleh Amukot now comments a whole bunch of wise ways on when she says, Mi ha'ish halazeh. So the word halazeh, which really doesn't translate well, it seems to be hazeh, who is this person? We have halazeh, is two hays, a hay and a hay, with a lamid and a zayin in between. Hay and hay is five and five. Leave those on the side. Lamid zayin in, in gematria 37. is 37. Something to do now. We have hay and hay and 37 in the middle. Explains the Megalea Mukot. It says in Genesis in Bereshit, Behibaram, when God created the world, Behay, it's a little hay, God created the world with a hay. So we have a hay creates the world. Heaven and earth are created with a hay. So the hay before, the hay after, one is heaven, one is earth. This is a person who was in heaven and earth when he was how old? 37. In the middle. Halazeh, in between. Goes further. He says, it's the tenth test of Abraham, five and five, tenth test, at the age of 37 of Isaac. We also have something that the resurrection is all going to start based on one bone that we have in our body. There's a bone here, 
And this bone is a bone that's supposed to exist and remain. And this bone is called? Luz. Lamid Zayin 37. Luz bone. So this is a person who was resurrected from the 37 at 37. We also say that he is the son of Hey Hey. He's Ben Hey Hey. What does that mean, Ben Hey Hey? Abraham's original name was Avram. God added to Abraham's name a Hey. Sarah's original name was Sarai. God added to Sarah a Hey. So he's Ben Hey Hey. He's the son of Abraham and Sarah at the age of 37. He's going to be reborn again. We have in, in Pirkei Avot, we have a guy, his name is Ben Hehe. Ben Hehe says, who is Ben Hehe? The rabbis tell us that he was a convert. Why does he have the name Ben Hehe? Because if the Romans knew who he was, they would kill him. So they use a code name. What's the code name? Ben Hehe. Why Ben Hehe? Because he's a convert, because every convert is the son of Abraham and Sarah. He's Ben Hehe. There's also in the same Pirkei Avot, someone called Ben Bagbag. Ben Bagbag and Ben Hehe, you can sing Moses' song from Yeshiva Boys Choir. Ben Bagbag, is, is Tosfot says, who is he? He's the same guy as Ben Hehe. He had to have a second, a second uh, identity. Why Bagbag? Because Bag is Bet and Gimel is five. The same as Hey. Bagbag is the same as Hey Hey. Why Bagbag? He says, he is, he says, he, ba, he's Ben Ger or Ben Gioret. Bag. That's, he's the son of a convert. He's a convert. Says He's also the, the son of Abraham and Sarah. Says the rabbis, the Megale Amukot says, that Rivka asks the questions, Miha'ish, who is this person? And what happens? She has Nebu'ah, and the answer is Halazeh. That's the answer. Who is this guy who looks so holy? He's a Halazeh person. What's a Halazeh? Someone who was, came back at the age of 37. With Yosef HaSadiq, we have also, he says about the Egyptians, Hen Kaniti Etchem, he says he attaches the letter He to the Egyptians because he wanted the Egyptians to be reborn because Egypt had the possibility under Joseph to be completely reborn and change their ways, but they didn't. So now, we have him three years, he's studying in Har Habayit, He He Har Habayit, 37. Again, all related. It says that, that uh, Hevel also. Now we know that, that, that Adam has two sons, Cain and Hevel. Cain kills Hevel. And we know that Hevel, the, 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 the return of Hevel through Moses, through Noah, through all, is crucial to the world. The gematria of Hevel also is, Hey, Bet is seven, Lamed 30, 37. Hevel was killed in a sinful way, murdered. Yitzchak was killed on the altar, and he's a tikkun for the death of Hevel. He's a repair for the death of Hevel. Okay, next one. We have another word in Hebrew. It's called flame. In Hebrew, how do you say flame? Lahav. Lamed hey bet. What's Lamed hey bet? Also, 37. She sees Yitzchak. She says, look at him. He's surrounded by fire. Who's this person? And that's the answer. He's Lahav, he's surrounded by fire because he's the one who went and came back to this world. How old was Rivka? The rabbis tell us that Rivka was three. She was born at the time of the Akedah, whatever that means. But it seems she could have been five because then we have the Hey Hey relates to Rivka while he's 37 relating to them. 
The, so we went back, we explained, this also answers the age question. This answers the age question because how was Avraham? We said, if, if we go by the numbers, Avraham who died at 175 was only 173 when he died. The only way to understand it, he says, is that the two years are missing. So when he comes back, Avraham is 39 and everything is plus two years on Avraham's side. And Avraham dies at 175 while his grandson's 13 because his son had two years that were missing before he had his children. Bamidvar Rabbah on Korach says that if we add up the ages of the three Avot, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham is 175. Isaac is 180, and Jacob is 147. If we add those up, we get 502. Says there in the Gemara, says that the distance between heaven and earth is the distance of what it takes to travel in 502 years. Whatever that means. So between Rakia and Rakia, right? It's 502 years in the Gemara there. The problem is, in a number of other places, it says in the Yerushalmi, for example, the distance is 500 years. So what is it? Is it 502 or 500? It seems to be 500. So how do we understand the 502? He says, ah, because we're counting 180 years. And that says these are the years of Yitzchak. But his 180 really was 178. You take two away and you get the 500 years. Just showing you each one to get to the thing. You're going to understand in the end. Yalkut Reuveni. No, so he says, right. But he says that. That it's 180 Yitzchak years, which counts the two years he wasn't here. So he really was 178. So 178 plus 175 plus, plus 147 equals 500. That's his. It was hard for me to understand at first because I thought he said it should have been 504. I kept saying it, it didn't make sense. Yaku Reuveni says, what was this? We said the scent of Jacob. How does he know what the scent of Jacob is? Only Isaac could say what the scent of Jacob was because Isaac was in Gan Eden. We said the death of Sarah, she heard that Yitzchak almost was not slaughtered. Kim'at shelo nishchat. What is Rashi saying? Says the Zohar, it says, you have to understand, she knew he had to be slaughtered. So she's hearing the story from the giants, and the giant says, he put the knife to his neck, and all of a sudden he stopped. When did he stop, Abraham? When he heard, Abraham, Abraham. And at that moment when he stopped, she said, oh no, he's not going to do it. It's over. The world's over. Everything that needed to be done is not going to be done. And what did she do? She had a heart attack and died. Why? Because she thought that Abraham wasn't going to go through with it. And that's what Rashi writes. But we don't translate Rashi like he says. The Megillah says, We had 120 elders. They set up the Amidah. We pray the Amidah, these blessings, every single day, three times. Says in the in says in uh, in the Gemara, these blessings are set up al haseder, based on an order. Says Bet Yosef in Orachaim and comments the Shibolat Leket and he found the Midrash. Says what's the order? The order is based on the history of the Jewish people. Each blessing is based on an event that happened. The first blessing in the Amidah is what? Maged Abraham. What is that for? Says very simple. Abraham went into the fire in Ur Kasdim. He was saved from the fire. The angels looked down and said, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you God, Magen Abraham, the shield of Abraham. The third blessing says, When Jacob was with the dream, with the ladder in the sight of the Mikdash, and the whole thing was going on, he was called Kedushah, 
says the angels looked at Abraham and they said, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you, Hakel HaKadosh, because Abraham, because, I mean, sorry, Jacob, because Jacob's name was Israel, got the El, he says that that's the third bracha is because of Jacob. So if the first bracha, the first blessing is because of Abraham, and the third blessing is because of Jacob, the second blessing must be because of Isaac. And what's the second blessing? Not only is it Mechayem Etim, says what happened, says when he came up from the dead, the angels looked down and said, Baruch Hashem, Mechayem Etim. We associate it. It says in that prayer that we say, Mechayem Etim, how many times? Five times. Why five times? Hey, hey. Because of the hey again, that he was able to survive. What? I, I, anything you don't get, stop me. The Haftarah that we read last week, what's the Haftarah? So remember, there was a time period that we couldn't read the Torah, so we had to come up with a Haftarah that would remind us of what was really going on in the Torah. The Haftarah that we read last week was about Elisha. Elisha is a prophet. Elisha comes to a town, and a lady sees he has no place to stay. So she says, you know what, let me build for him a room with a table and a chair and a, and a, and a desk. And she builds it for him. And what happens? He, he, what's it called? He stays there. He finds out what does she need. They, she, she has no children. Poor lady, she has no children. He blesses her to have a child. She has a child. She's so happy. Five years later, she comes home one day. The kid says he has a headache. He lies down. He's gone. She goes out of her house. Her husband says, where are you going? She doesn't say. I'm going to find the Navi. She doesn't want to say because she wants it to be quiet. She finds the Navi, she says to him, what did you do to me? I didn't ask you for a kid. You gave me a kid, a blessing for a kid. Don't give me a kid, you're going to kill the kid. Elisha comes back, and what does he do? He lies on top of the kid, he breathes into him, and the kid comes back to life. Why do we have a Haftarah that talks about someone dying and Mechayem Etib coming back? Because that's reminding you of what was the real story. Goes further. Says that, yeah. When the Haftarah was... Instituted. Everyone knew that this was the real story. Everybody knew. We buried it. So it says in the, in in uh, in, in uh, Chronicles, it says, "Oh, and the story of Elisha with the child coming back to life of the Haftarah." Chronicles of the right? Yeah, that, that's yeah. Chronicles of the But the story of Elisha coming back to life. The whole story is. Guess how many verses? Come on. Five. Thirty-seven. <laughs> Thirty-seven verses, and that's. Another, 37. Listen, anything on its own is nothing. But the combination of all of these things, one after another, after another, after another, come on, you could have a coincidence, 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 too many coincidences. So in, in Divrei Yamim, in Chronicles, it says that Hashem sent His angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. He was about to destroy it. Hashem saw and repented of the evil. The Aramaic translation says... That the word of God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And when he came to destroy it, he saw the ashes from the Akedat Yitzchak of Isaac at the base of the altar. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham. So again, we have another proof that he in fact died. The same idea is mentioned in the Gemara. He says, Shmuel said that he saw the ashes of Isaac goes further. All these sources imply that Isaac actually died on the altar. If the ram was sacrificed in place of Isaac was an ordinary animal, why would it have been created on the sixth day, as I said? So if it's so apparent, my question is, why is it so hidden? 
If this is the real story, then why don't we know the story? We know that at the end of Noah, it tells us that Terach died. Who was Terach? The father of Abraham. And then right after that we begin, God tells, tells Abraham, Lech Lecha, go. But if you calculate, you see that Terach didn't die until many, many years after Abraham left to come to the land of Canaan. Five years, no? No, no, more, more, more. It says, it says, you see, because he was only 37 when he had, you see the age, it's, he was alive many years later, Terach. It says, why doesn't it tell you that? Because the Torah doesn't want to outwardly tell you. It wants to tell you Terach died, then Abraham left. Because how should it be? If Abraham is this guy who cares about everyone, he should care about his father and how could he leave home without him? Only once we learn all about Abraham and see what he's all about and what his father is all about, then we could go back and calculate the time and say, oh, oh, now I realize that he really... So it says the Torah hides many things. And who? We only have the Midrashim. So it says that, that, that this, is, this, is, this is a way to hide what really happened because we have to understand before we, before we can hear the story this way, we have to be at a little different level. There's an approach to the Torah called Nigla, which is revealed. There's an approach called Nistar, hidden. By Nigla, on this story, we answer every question and say, no, of course he didn't kill him. Every one of the things I brought, there's a question. The problem, there's an answer. The problem with all those answers, they're very choppy, they're very patchwork, and they don't fit one with the other. By Nistar, you have all of the answers together, which we just said. All of the questions that I brought are answered by one answer. How? He died, and he came back. So the question, so how could they both be true? Either he died, or he didn't die. You can't die and not die. Either one or the other. But we say, whenever we see different opinions in the Gemara, different opinions of the rabbis, what do we say? Elu ve'elu, divrei Elohim chayim. This and this are both the words of a living God. What do you mean? How can you say two opposite things are both true? How can they be true? Says the Gemara in Sanhedrin, what was the forbidden fruit that Adam and Chava ate? What was it? It's a drug or figs, but Grapes or wheat. Or it was it apple? So, <laughs> no apple. So it says, really, there's four opinions in the Gemara. It was wheat. It was a grape. It was a fig. Or it was an etrog, a citron. Which one was it? If you're going to tell me it was one, then the other three guys are wrong. If you're going to tell me it was another, then the other... How could they... And the rabbis tells, no. They're all right. What do you mean they're all right? How could it be all right? You need to find like, any kind of reconciliation. No? Like, how, how could, but how could they all be right? Either it's going to be wheat or it's going to be a grape. It can't be. Maybe it was like a man, you know, like whatever you wish. Ah. <laughs> whatever you wish. No? So he says, what is, what is the answer? It says, one of the rabbis says, no. It satiates like wheat. It intoxicates like wine. It tastes sweet as a fig. And it smells like an etrog. And it was a fruit that existed only in the Garden of Eden. You have to be able to look at things in a little different to see how things could be. It says we have to learn from Rashi. Sometimes Where Rashi... Where did you say that? The combination? I, I saw my rabbi told me he said it was based on this Gemara. 
that I quoted a minute ago. I'll find it. I can't find it. Okay, we're almost done. Thank you. Sorry, done five five more minutes. We're done. Okay. No, no, I got it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rashi says. So here, here's the thing. We some we see Rashi. Rashi is the one we learn everything from. He sometimes is saying one way, sometimes another way. He's very non-committal. He's quoting, 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 but non-committal. Rashi on Leviticus 26.42 in Vayikra, he says that Isaac was killed. He says, I will remember the covenant with Jacob, also my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember the land, I will remember. He says, he says why does it not say, remember with regard to Isaac. Why does it only say the word remember with Abraham and remember with Jacob? He answers, because I don't have to remember, use the word remember, because he says, Rashi, the ashes of Isaac appear before me heaped and placed on the altar. That's Rashi saying. So Rashi is saying, no, for sure it happened. All the commentary of Rashi we see, he's showing that he, he believes it happened. Ultimately, we have, we have to remember, it says in Shulchan Aruch, that it's good to read the portion of the Akedah, this portion of the sacrificing of, of Abraham every day. Why? We say it every single day. Every morning we say it. Why do we read this whole thing talking about this binding of Isaac? Says the Mishnah Berurah that we learn from here the true meaning of Mesirut Nefesh, of a person giving of himself for the good, for others, giving his life. He says this is a requirement says that a person has to read the Akedah because you have to imagine Avraham Avinu. He's just finished the Akedah. He thinks his son is dead. He thinks his wife is gone. He sees his wife is gone. He's sitting there and an angel is promising the future. He says that, what do, what do we have to do? He says we have to compare our challenges to his challenge. When we're having a tough day, we have to think, is that a tough day? I'll tell you what a tough day is. That's a tough day. And you have to think it's a tough day and you have to have faith that God is going to be there for you. So there's two ways of looking at the story. We look at the story like we learned it when we're five years old and the way most people are going to interpret it. But I think one of the reasons the rabbis started burying the story in the Middle Ages is as I saw something very interesting. I pulled it. There's a book written and I, I, I ordered it on Amazon. It's called The Last Trial on the Legends and Lore of the Command to Abraham to Offer Isaac as a Sacrifice. So it was interesting because he says something in the book, where I don't know where he gets it from, but he says that during the Middle Ages, he says during the Middle Ages, during the Middle Ages, people were killing themselves because of the Crusades. They were giving up their life, and they were giving up their life based on Isaac dying. He says that and it was very, very common to refer to Isaac dying and being resurrected. I think one of the reasons it was buried is because we didn't want to push the idea of resurrection too far. Okay? You don't want to look too Christian. Uh-huh. I think that that's one of the reasons that in, in the last thousand years it's not been so popular. But the problem is, you have the Ben Ishchai. You have all these people that I quoted, the Megaleh Amukot. All these people that I quoted that all say this is the story. Now, even though he says it's the story, the Ben Ishchai, for example, in another place talks about him not killing him. Yeah, the Midrash Leketov says, the God of Abraham and the Pachad Yitzhak. Why is he called Pachad Yitzhak? Because he was in the grip of fear. Pachad means fear. 
He was in the grip of fear as he lay bound to the top of the altar. His soul flew out of him, and the Holy One, blessed be he, restored him by means of dewdrops of resurrections. Shibolet Halechet Hashaleb in the 13th, that was the 11th century. The 13th century, he adds that when, when Isaac was bound on the altar, reduced to ashes, and his sacrifice, sacrificial dust was cast on Hara Moriah, Mount Moriah, the Holy One, blessed be he, immediately brought upon him dew and revived him. This is why David, may rest in peace, said, he quotes him from Psalms, for he's referring to the dew from which God revived Isaac. He says that we should realize from here, that we realize from here, that there is resurrection. And there's a connection that we have to Yitzhak Avinu. And we're hoping also that the Ayil, we say that the Mashiach is going to come, and what's he going to blow? The Shofar. And where is the Shofar going to come from? From this Ayil, from this ram that was sacrificed under. And he says that what he should come, he should connect us to this place of these 500 years where we connect the two places together. All I'm saying is you, we learn things one way. We learn things one way and we stick to the one way. We have to be open to really look at what's there and open to another possibility in the story. And this really shows you there's a completely opposite way and almost impossible for me in the 15 years, it's almost impossible for me to look at the story and not say he didn't kill him. Because I can't even imagine it any other way because it's so hard to understand all of these things. You, you really have to push yourself to understand all of these, these uh, problems when you answer them individually because they don't really mesh anymore. Again, just to close, I beg of you, please don't get into fights over this class with people. Uh, we should remember the Shulchan Aruch tells us it's good to say the portion of the Akedah every day. The Mishnah Birurah tells us we learn the true meaning of Mesirut Nefesh. This is the requirement. We say the Akedah, we compare our challenges to their cap challenges. We learn, do whatever it takes, and we should be zocher to hear the ram's horn from the Ayil, and we should see Mashiach come. Amen.